people say they don't believe in advertising up until they lose their cat. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then the first thing they do is uh, write an ad that says "lost cat" with a picture of the cat and their phone number on it, and go all around the streets putting it on the lampposts. I don't know if you heard, but this podcast is now sponsored. So before we get into the episode, let me tell you about our sponsor. I Love That Ad is proudly sponsored by IRS Plus, the one-stop shop for expert local radio planning and media agnostic brand solutions. If you have a media brief, you need to speak to IRS Plus. Go to irsplus.ie or mail hello at irsplus.ie for more. Now on to the show. Hello, and you are very welcome to a very special episode of I Love That Ad. Not only am I joined by my one and only Shane W. Brennan in the co-pilot seat as always. Hello, Shane. Hello. We are also joined by the legendary Dave Trott, creative director and author. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thanks, boys. Absolute uh, pleasure to have you on and a uh, hat tip to um, Bob Hoffman for uh, for uh, the the introduction uh, and convincing you to uh, come on to the come on to the podcast. So if uh, if anyone who's is working in the industry and has been living under a rock for the last uh, 30 years within the industry, they will uh, they should know Dave Dave Trot from uh, your amazing blog columns and uh, uh, books. How how are things going with you, Dave? Yeah, not bad. I just um I mean, I'm only doing those because I'm not actually doing any ads at the minute. If uh, <laughs> I've got a lot of time left over from not doing ads, you kind of how- point. You get to. A, I was talking to Mark Denton about it. You 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 get to a point where um in our business everybody's fascinated with youth and being young, and and it's like the uh, the chairman of WPP, um, Mark somebody. I can't remember his name. After after um, Martin Sorrell left, this guy Mark took over, and he's an accountant. So he looks at advertising the way an accountant would, and his his way of selling WPP worldwide is to say um, uh, we've got. Uh, thankfully, the average age of everybody at WPP across the world is thirty. Uh, we haven't got anyone who remembers the nineties, luckily. I'm thinking well. Okay, now, mate. Why don't you just talk about whether they do any good ads? Never mind. What? What? If you say thirty, means there must be a, a guarantee of doing good ads because they're only thirty. Why don't you hire some twenty-five-year-olds? How about twenties? Maybe if I get some fifteen-year-olds, they'll be even better. Is that yeah. a stupid way to judge people by anything? Then do they do good ads? And I was talking to Mark Denton about it, and it's like, um, but because there's a lot of stupid people in our business. That is how you judge people. You think, well, young people must be better than old people. Well, yeah, if we were playing football, I'd agree with you. But uh, we're not. <laughs> Physical prowess is not necessary. What's necessary in our business is brains. So, yeah. long story short, it's a lot harder to um, get work as you get older. That's, that's so I'm writing, a lot, I'm writing a lot of stuff because, like Mark, uh, I don't know if you know Mark Denton, but if you like, or, or, or Bob Hoffman, those guys, if you've got, you're full of creativity and, and it's going to come out somewhere. And if it doesn't come out in ads, it will come out somewhere else. And, and your, your books is, uh, are you enjoying that, that kind of outlet? Yeah, I guess. I mean, normally I'd be running a department full of creative people and all the stuff that's in the books is what I'd be telling them in order to make them do better ads. You know, if you, if you look at my website with all the reels on of all the work we've done, uh, 
you'll see a lot of people who talk about doing uh, how to do the work actually haven't ever done any. And I think it's for me, it's like football pundits. I'll listen and I'll listen to Alan Shearer. I'll listen to um, Ian Wright. I'll listen to Gary Lineker. I'll listen to guys who've actually done it. But when you get people who just write for the newspapers who've never actually put on a pair of boots and done it, then you, you, you don't know. And I think that's a lot of in our business. You listen before you listen to people and their opinions. Just have a look and see what they've done. See if they've got any right to an opinion for a start. Yeah. You know, there's. I read this quote, which is really true. It's a lot easier to write an article about how to do a good ad than it is to actually do a good ad. There's a quote uh, I actually saw it on your on your Twitter feed. You you retweeted it, Dave, uh, from George Tannenbaum, who's who's an upcoming guest uh, as well, the uh, copywriter, uh, that. There are more wars for good ads than there are good ads. <laughs> the kind of reminds oh, 100%, me of that. hundred percent, and and uh, the you're kind of um, um, I mean you're kind of amazed that this you, you look. I used to go on juries to give out ads and things, and then you'd look at the people on on the juries and think, well, half of my do I really care what any of these people think about what we're doing? It's like awards. There's all these people on here. They haven't actually done a good ad in their lives and now they're giving out awards to other people too. And the people who don't know what a good ad is, look at the awards and think that must be a good ad. So they're very pernicious actually, the whole the whole awards thing. And, uh, and I think actually, if you want to know what's good, look at the punters, look at what catches on in the streets. Look at what, look at what, uh, catch, look at what gets used in the newspaper headlines. Look at, uh, the jokes comedians make about them on the news. Look at what you hear your mates talking about in the pubs. That's where ads are supposed to work. Not some dozy little award scheme where you drink rosé in the south of France and, you know, no wonder it's, it's in a state because the if that's your criteria, it's the wrong criteria. That's a, 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 a really good point. And, 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 and on, on kind of good ads versus awarded ads, like... You've you've obviously seen thousands of ads over your career, uh, and most of them, most of them probably average. Uh, some of them probably amazing, some of them terrible. But from from whenever an ad crosses your eyes or your ears, what's what's the, the common trait that makes it stand out for you that you go, "Well, that actually is good at," or is it is it always in the effect of if it crosses into pop culture? Well, you just got to look at you know what they say is. People say they don't believe in advertising up until they lose their cat. <laughs> yeah? Yes. And then the first thing they do is uh, write an ad that says lost cat with a picture of the cat and their phone number on it and go all around the streets putting it on the lampposts. Let's get back to what the purpose of what we're doing is, yeah? And and it's not to 10 people in cans. What are the people on the bus, you know, with... These, the, what are the people on the bus talking about? What are the school kids whistling? What, are, what are lines are blokes throwing to each other to get a laugh out of? We can take that piece of film we've made or whatever it is and generate it through word of mouth, through going viral, into 10 times what the money we've spent for that bit of media. That should be our job in the creative department. Never mind marketing. They do their job, whatever that is. Strategists and planners and marketing and stuff. But... The job of creative and media, well, what they now call legacy media, what I'll call real media, not scam media. The 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 job of creative used to be to take your clients five million quid and turn it into fifty million quid. Mm -hmm. And 
that's the game. That's the actual game you're playing. Not not uh, was it a lovely little piece of film? That people can't differentiate between a lovely little piece of film and an ad. And um, Bob Levinson, who Bill Birnbach used to say was the best writer there was, Bob Levinson said it's a simple test. If you like it, take the product out of it and now look at it again. And if you still like it, it's a lousy ad. <laughs> it's a, it might be a lovely bit of film. You know, it might be beautifully cast and it might be beautifully edited and beautifully lit and have a lovely soundtrack on. But if you can take the product out of it and still love it, it's not an ad. Yeah. So just decide what game you're in. Are you in the game of making films or are you in the game of doing ads? Because we've got a lot of people in our business nowadays who think they're in the game of making lovely little bits of film. And when you read any crit of a fit of, of an ad, it'll all be about the casting and the humour and the wit and the blah, blah, blah. And right in the last final two seconds, they might deign to mention the product. But hopefully it won't get in the way and spoil the art. I think you misunderstood what the fucking game is. It's a bit like playing a beautiful game of football in the middle of the pitch and you never score. Mm. The idea is to get the ball <laughs> in the fucking net. Yeah? That's yeah. page one. You know, we're not. this isn't an exhibition match. That's where I'm with Roy Keane. That's where I like Roy Keane a lot. He, he, guys like Roy Keane... It's not attractive. Let's do the let's do the job and 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 let's keep our eye on, eye on what we're supposed to be doing. The um, like I say, he's he's uh, 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 I won't quite say one of my heroes, but he's someone I do really respect a lot, Roy Keane. It, it's interesting what you said there about um, people advertising the average age of of agencies as being that as a plus and trying to get it as young as possible. Whereas I find I, I remember when. We were in university and um, our advertising lecturer talking about going out into supermarkets and just watching people yeah. interacting with Brilliant. product. Brilliant. And yeah. I remember just picking that up being like, "If as long as I don't get caught looking like a creep, it's great. <laughs> but um, <laughs> And he was talking about how like you're actually seeing the process happen of the average punter. Whereas I find what's happening an awful lot with younger people in agencies or that they're interacting with their phone and seeing what people project to the world via social media and taking that as an honest interaction with a product as opposed to watching them actually purchase watching the stresses they're under the fact that the kid is making them buy something or whatever i was talking to some kid the other day uh and he he uh was he, he just got a job and he was working in an agency and he said to me that he he had an ad turned down because his creative director said to him uh, you get this as soon as you've seen it. You only have to see it once to understand it. And the guy said, isn't that a good thing? And the creative director said, no, you're not supposed to get it straight away. You're supposed to, it's supposed to take two or three or half a dozen viewings before gradually you wake up to what's happening. That's the, well, fuck mate. Maybe you should be doing crossword clues for a living. <laughs> the game I'm in is, 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 the average punter, and if you go in a supermarket, like you say, mm. the average punter doesn't give a monkeys about advertising. Mm. It's if it disappeared tomorrow, they wouldn't care. So what you got to do is your first thought is how do I how do I actually penetrate what else is in their lives? Never mind all the other ads. Never mind all the TV programs. But there's apart from pop music, there's whatever else is going on in their lives. How do I? How do I get a piece of space? How do I buy a piece of space in that? Mm. And 
it's not by having some little clever game of cryptic clues. Yeah. Yeah, so, def- definitely. I, 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 I've, it's funny. I've, I've quoted that to the, the Howard Gossage quote to clients a lot when we yeah. talk about projects what people are interested in and sometimes yeah. it's a fucking ad they're not interested in your fucking ad and it's a great it's just it really lands in a meeting you're like just let's let's remember what we're trying to achieve here you're yeah. competing with bills fucking kids everything you're competing with all this and you want to sell your product so let's let's get yeah. on that road you know yeah it's not i mean the cryptic clues is fine for you know cans and dnad and and all the other reward schemes that's where they love cryptic clues because they're sitting in a room with the lights out uh, and seven people either side of them uh, and they're all trying to guess and work out what's going on. That's not how it plays out in the real world. Mm. You either decide if your audience is 14 people in an awards scheme or 50 million people in the country. And for me, the reason I got into advertising, I was I was doing fine art to start with. And my, uh, one night, I'd been up all night painting and, and I was about, I don't know, 17 18 something like that 19 and living at home with mum and dad and um dad came in from work and i was just cleaning the brushes and i'd done this painting all night and mum got up to make dad's breakfast and i said to them what do you think of what i've done and, I, and they looked at it and they didn't have a clue and after a bit they said well you know us david we don't know anything about art and dad got on with reading the paper and mum got on with making his breakfast and i thought well run this by me I'm about to spend the next 60 years of my life doing something that only a very few people will understand. Do I want to do that or do I want to get into something that 50 million people can participate in and I can have school kids whistling it and I can have people on the bus talking about it and we can have jokes and fun and it will be part of actual life, Mm. live art. Or do you want to be just dead art that only, uh, unless you go to that art gallery, you'll never see it. Mm. And, and, And I think we've... Everybody now has forgotten the purpose of what we're doing. Like, luckily enough, I trained in New York under all those guys. Uh, I got a scholarship to go to art school in New York. And while I was there, we trained on Madison Avenue under, you know, all the greats. And um, then it was very clear what we were doing. What we, what, what we were doing was we were, do- we were doing it for the punters and with the punters to pick it up and to, to take whatever money we'd spent and get off the screen into the media. And the real media wasn't just TV and every other program there was around. The real media was every time people interact with each other, mm-hmm. you know, every time they talk to each other. That's what I loved about working with. When I came back to England, a lot of people um, didn't want to know about that. Most people didn't want to know about that. The only bloke who did, who I tried everywhere to get a job, couldn't get a job anywhere until John Webster saw my stuff. And John Webster, that was exactly what he wanted because that's exactly what he does. You, you, you're not doing it for the award. John's, John's room was so packed with awards you couldn't even get into it. And John never went to award schemes and didn't care for awards. But the account men would enter all the stuff for awards because it was good for business. Mm. But every night you'd pass John's office, or I would pass John's office, and he'd be reading his scripts, and he wouldn't be reading them over the phone to other people in advertising. He'd be reading them to either Pat the Tea Lady or George the Van Driver or Arthur the Caretaker. He'd be reading his scripts to them to see what they thought of it. You know, not 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 to all the all the creative directors at the other agencies. Mm. And that was that's your real awards is when it gets picked up in the language and that's when 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 other people are saying it. And you know, that's why that's 
that's the sort of stuff that uh, that's why when you said pick your three favorite ads these aren't my all-time favorite ads but they're three that i really envy about the way they got into the language mm. and how they handle that uh, really smartly and you won't be looking at them saying um oh i love the casting and isn't the fabulous little look that that guy did to the other guy and uh you know when the puppy came into the room and wasn't that sweet and it, it's not that it's like it's like let's get this off the screen and into the language mm. Yeah. So the first ones um, for um, they, well, they're all American. These ads, because uh, I find Americans are uh, uh, much more muscular. Their stuff, uh, English ads uh, uh, tend to be for me very genteel and middle class, and Americans are a bit more. Um, well, a, a we haven't seen it, so it's good to use some stuff we haven't seen. I could pick some English ads, but you'd all know them anyway, and it wouldn't be any point. The uh, the first one is for um, Geico, uh, and Geico consistently, it's this insurance guys, they consistently do great advertising, Geico, campaign after campaign after campaign, just nonstop. But this particular ad, uh, someone even phoned me up from New York to tell me about this ad. And um, it had just gone totally viral all over America to where school kids were just shouting the phrase out to each other in the, in the, in the, in the street. And I think if you, if, if you play it and then we talk about it, it will make more sense. Okay, okay perfect. Let's, uh, let's have a look. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo -woo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Yeah! Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. For me, when you start to do an ad, your start point is, what's the thing we're delivering here? Like, like It's like a present. The wrapping will be what gets you to what open it, but inside, what's the actual thing you want to leave everybody with? And what Geico will always leave you with is 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Mm. Right? That's, that's our start point. So you back up from that our start point. 15 minutes can make that's that's got to be the nugget we leave you with. So a way you could deliver that is all right, how happy would you be if you if you save that kind of money? Okay, then the guy, I can almost hear the guys in the creative department. You go through joke after joke after joke about how happy would you be? And Wednesday is known as hump day. So that, because it's half, it's the hump of the week, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, you've broken it. Now you're cruising down into the weekend, Thursday, Friday. So, hey, what if we did a camel on hump day? Yeah. And then you, then you shoot it absolutely brilliantly. The execution is absolutely... You can watch that again and again and again and again. It doesn't get old. Every time you, you watch that hump day, <laughs> and school kids are shouting that to each other. And every time that's a free replay that the client hasn't paid for. Every yeah. time someone says hump day, it triggers what you remember, Geico, in the street, in the language, and you haven't paid for it. It's all free. You're triggering free media by getting by what they now call going viral, what we used to call getting into the language. Uh, so you've 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 taken and and when you get that, you, what you remember is the last thing they leave you with there. The opening twenty seconds is all joke, 
but the joke slams right into 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Mm. That's the reason for the joke. You haven't just done a joke for a laugh. There's a rock-solid delivery at the end. The, the camel is all the wrapping around the present, and when you've unwrapped the present, how happy are people that save hundreds of dollars on their car insurance? You know? It's I wonder... I wonder, is there a, um, a script that didn't didn't reach the client about a happier than a pig and shit? Well, all right, that's a cleaned up version of it. No, you can do, you can always, even if you said it, and I'm sure they would have said that, how happy would you be, happier than a pig and shit? Okay, we can't do that. How can we clean that up? Yeah. I've done that myself. Once we were doing Burgersol advertising. Uh, no, not Burgersol. Um, suntan lotion. And um, uh, you're going back about 30 years now. And... Uh, I went past Gordon's office. He was sitting in his office. He's really stuck. Gordon and Pat sitting in his office, really stuck. Burger, I think Burgersall. Anyway, yeah, Burgersall. And he allowed you to stay on the beach longer. I said, what are you stuck on, boys? And they got this sun cream allows you to stay on the beach longer. And they're really fed up. They've been working on it all day and they had nothing. And Gordon was upset and he said, oh, I'll give up. What about burn your bra and not your tits? Because he was so angry. And I said, well, off Mo, let's clean that up. That could be good. And we cleaned it up to the only thing a woman should burn is her bra. And we had an, uh, a, a topless girl lying on the beach getting a suntan. And we won a DNAD silver. <laughs> Just by taking a, taking a happy as a pig in shit, clean it up, happy as a camel on hump day. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> the only thing a woman, burn your bra, not your tits. The only thing a woman should burn is her bra. If you take, if your start point is something that catches on like that, the... Well, I was doing this advertising with COI. I used to do uh, 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 COI, Central Office of Information. They would all do all this government advertising. Uh, and so it, it has to be not just branding now. This has to be changing behavior when you do government advertising. Mm -hmm. And I had done this. Uh, this was one of the pandemics. And the problem was people were would, uh, sneezing, and which is how it was passed on the tube and things. So what they want you to do is sneeze into a sneeze into a tissue, and then as soon as you get a chance, throw the tissue in the bin. Don't hold on to it all day. So I said, okay, we do we do uh, catch it, bin it, kill it for the for the line. So something people can remember: catch it, bin it, kill it. And the CY client said to me, "How come you, all your advertising is always bish bash bosh?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, funny how that expression caught on, isn't it? Bish bash." <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. If only there's something we could learn from that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I, I, on this ad in particular, the the Hump Day ad, I think for me watching it, obviously everything you're saying is is bang on the money. But the the execution of the the joke part, the first two thirds of it, I think the re one of the reasons it, that that resonates really well is not just great acting and and, and well executed, but the fact that everyone knows that person. Mm. in in the office everyone oh, yeah. knows the person who goes merry friday uh happy hump day you know as in <laughs> like it's 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 five o'clock somewhere there's always that person in in in, in every office so the the kind of the tired expressions straight away from the other characters oh, is yeah. almost the the viewer and the genius part there for me that's overlooked God, I know because I'm do, doing ads myself. I know how, how many times you go again and again and again trying to get it right. The absolute genius part is the voice they've cast. Yeah. Yeah. You listen to that voice. I mean, you must have been through 30 yeah. pieces until you come up with exactly that one. 
and how hard did you find it or how easy did you find it when uh, tr- through your career of getting in, getting phrases into the language, getting ads into the language, as you said, going the original viral? Oh, man, that's always your start point when the, the creative teams, uh, they, they know that's pretty much the brief. That's, uh, unless there's two ways you go. If you own the market or you've got a genuine product difference, real product difference, you don't need to brand it. You need to use a logical line. You only need really strong branding when you've got no product difference and your only thing you've got to say, oh, it's a launch, you must get the name known. Mm-hmm. So you've got to decide there's always if form follows function. This is what we, you know, this is what we learn. ED, you don't just start off thinking what I want to do. You form follows function. What you finally do has to deliver what you've decided the problem is. And the problem is either going to be you've got a real genuine benefit that you need to uh, make people know about, or you haven't got a benefit and you need them to remember your brand. So if you've got a genuine benefit, it's a logic line. And the name's not so important because if you're the only one that owns that benefit, then they'll go to the shops and ask for that benefit and you're the only one that's got it. But if you haven't got a benefit, it's crucial that when they get to the shops, they remember your name. So then the mnemonic is crucial. You know, a mnemonic uh, like um, uh, for mash gets smash or beans means Heinz or some way of... uh, uh, But you, you, you only really need that if you haven't got a genuine, if you've got a genuine product advantage, like American Express has when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight. Mm. Well, if you go, if you're looking for the overnight service, there is only one. So it doesn't matter whether you remember the name or not. Yeah, in that yeah. case, you use it. You use logic. Uh, like in this case, you use um, uh, fifth, one, one uh, saves you 15% or more. What, 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 Geico is is an aggregator. They don't actually do insurance themselves. They're one of those sites you click on where all the insurance is all, it will, it will work out and tell you the cheapest insurance. So all they've got to do is stay top of mind. So because yeah. insurance is a distress purchase. You don't, nobody wants insurance. You, you, you wouldn't buy it if you didn't have to. You, so, but every year you've got to buy insurance. You think, oh, sod it. What have I got to do? I've got to go around... 15 companies looking for the cheapest insurance. No, you can go to Geico and 15 minutes could save you 15, 15% or more. Mm. Do this, they'll do it for you. So all you got to do is it's a different, it's a different job. It's stay top of mind. So 20 seconds of absolute entertainment that you want to catch on and get your name repeated for 10 seconds of hard sell, go to this site and you don't have to go everywhere else. And it's just for me almost perfect that 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 ad. It's like the thinking behind it before you get anywhere near the jokes, the the, the structure. You know when you put up a building, it can look very beautiful, but if you haven't got the structure right, it's going to fall down. So you get the structure right first, and those guys of which is a creative director's job for my money is you you've got to get the structure right so that when you give it to the creative teams, they can now have fun. Mm. But when their work comes back, it will be judged against that structure. Mm. Does it? Does it? You can be as wacky as you like, but you got to. We're going we're to judge it against the creative director for my money. We're going to judge it against did it do this job? Mm. It's again take it. You know, Roy Keane. You, you, it's all very well being David Beckham, but if you're not doing that job when you come back here, I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that's a great, great piece of work. But the Martin Agency, I think, isn't. It? Like, oh, uh, Martin. I mean, so Gecko. You ought to teach that on advertising courses. Just. 
campaign after campaign after campaign after campaign. This is yeah. just one ad in a, one campaign. Yeah. It's done about six different campaigns. And when they started, they used they had a gecko, a little creature <laughs> called a gecko. Yeah. And that was their whole campaign because then you're trying to get the name launched. No one's heard of you. So what you do is you use you use a, you, your job is different then your job is a mnemonic and branding, and you have this little creature called a gecko and you get the and once that's launched right across, now everybody knows you. Now what's important is shifting people from phoning up all the other insurance companies to think, well, I, I don't have to do all that. I just need to go on this site. Yeah. yeah. So you do a lot of entertainment that, that ends in just go on this site. It's, it's not so much about remembering the name Geico then. Now it's the name about remembering why you should be here. Mm. Why you should be there. And we, we've had, um, we, in credit to, to Geico, we've had a few few uh, campaigns brought onto the podcast before because, as you said, they're just so consistent. They, they knock it out of the park uh, each time. And I, I hadn't seen that one before. No, me uh, you brought it. So that's a that's an amazing one. So thank I, you. I love all the rest, but for me, that's the. The cherry on the cake that one just just i mean people phoning me up from america to tell me about it yeah yeah that says it all <laughs> that's already. great that, that's amazing um and yeah are we going to expect something similar then for a second ad what's the second ad then you brought to brought to the podcast i think if you just show the ad it's it's what you got to remember this is at a time when going back a few years now when they were just launching um stock market trading online when it was a new thought why should anybody do that? No one ever thought of that. You know, you phone up your you phone up your broker. Mm. This was a new idea, of, or or you know, you weren't even doing it. You put your money in your bank, or you'd invest it in some high savings account or something. So this is just to launch the whole idea. So just have a look at this. Great. Okay, let's give it a look. Is he on any medication? None. Doctor, I think you should see this. Oh my. Why, what is it? He's got money coming out the wazoo. What do we have? Money out the wazoo. Move this man to a private room. Out of the way, this man's got money coming out the wazoo! Does your husband have insurance? Insurance? He's got money coming out of the wazoo. Oh. It's time for E-Trade, the number one place to invest online. Yeah, really, really capitalizing on the language. <laughs> there's no way, there's no way that line is not going to get into the language. Money coming out of the wazoo. Yeah, you've, what you've taken out is, is you again. You've what you've done there is what we said. You've taken the line, money coming out your ass, and cleaned it up so you can actually get away with it. Yeah. Wouldn't you like so to get in a position where you've got money coming out your ass? Yeah, but they've yeah. cleaned it up. To, he's got money coming out of the wazoo. And having, having done it myself, you deal so often with the uh, censorship authorities. How can you sail really close to the wind and get away with it? And you know what you want to say. We all know what you want to say, but you don't want to. But now you you want to kind of not just be caught, so that when you take your line to the censorship authorities, you can say, "Well, no, nobody uses that expression. No, no, no. It's uh, it just means you know, could be money coming out your ears. It could mean. Well, actually, when you filmed it, the guy's on his face down with you know, (laughs) money coming out the wazoo, and great lines like you know he says we've moved this guy to a private room he's got money coming out the wazoo yeah, yeah. and and uh the guy saying to him hmm have you got insurance and the other the doctor says insurance he's got money coming out the wazoo yeah, and sounds- and then the strap line says you should be so lucky Could try e-trade and do it you say you think wow man that is just so the people who've got money to invest but they're currently putting it in i don't know sips or ISIS or whatever they have in America, 
you think, look, man, if you did a bit of online investing, wouldn't you like money coming out the wazoo? It's just, it's such, <laughs> it's straight into the language. And you get every time that's said, money coming out the wazoo, again, it's free media the client's not paying for. Mm. Yeah. So did, did did they come up with that phrase, wazoo, that, is that where that came from? Oh, well, money coming out your ass is a common phrase, but when they yeah. flipped it to wazoo, yeah. That's amazing. I never because I know there's I know the money coming out your wazoo has just been yeah been I've, in the vernacular. I've done it myself. We once we once had a an umbrella called Canerps that we had to sell, and uh, the whole selling point for this umbrella was it wouldn't break, unlike other umbrellas. <laughs> so I did this line: you can break a brolly, but you can't knacker a Canerps. And then, <laughs> and then I got to go to the censorship authorities, and. Uh, I know they're going to have a problem with that line. They're going to say, well, knackers is a rude word. So what I do is I went down to the uh, bookstop and I looked through all the dictionaries and I found three of them where, that said knackers was the place where they took horses when that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, when they did the knackers, knackers yard. Yeah. yeah, so I took the dictionaries along with me to the censorship people and I said, look, there's nothing rude in here. It's the, it's the knackers yard. And eventually they let us get away with it and we run it. And so that's what I appreciate. That's what these guys are doing. But you've got to understand the process. The more you understand the process, the more empowered you are. And I understand the process is they don't mind people complaining as long as you've given them the answer beforehand. Hmm. Yeah. And the answer is we looked in three dictionaries and they said this. So when, when, the, when the censorship people, clearcast it is over here, when the censorship people get a complaint, they can answer it with, well, we, we looked in these three dictionaries, you'll find it says this. They don't have to respond to a complaint just because it's a complaint. So what you do is you give them the answer before you start. You you know, it's it's uh, it's like anything. You just don't don't just sit back and let it be someone else's. But it's your ad. If you want it to run, if you want it to work, find out how it works. How does the system work? How does the censorship work? Not just how advertising, marketing, strategies. All of, The more you understand, the more power you've got the better the ads you can run and the more you can get them to run. Mm. If you just sit there lazily in your room and wait for the perfect brief to slide under the door and then you write a fabulous ad and then wait for your cans of wool to arrive, that's like very stupid, dull way to behave. If you actually want, if you actually want to be empowered, you learn all the different aspects of the job. Like when you take a brief, if I'm taking a brief about a beer, first thing I do is go to the brewery. Go to the brewery, look how it's made, talk to the head brewer, ask him why he brewed it that way, what's the difference between his beer, talk to the guy that buys the barley, the guy that buys the hops, talk to the, talk to the salesman that go around the bars and how do you, how, do, how many how many fonts on a bar and how do you get these off and these, those. Once you do all that, you've not only got control of uh, the thinking and writing the ad, I've now got control of a discussion I can have with a media guy. And I can say to the media guy, well, look, it's no good putting these on TV because all the drinkers we want won't be watching TV. They'll be down the pub. We need to be on posters. And we need to cite the posters near where we're launching the brand. You can, you can have all these discussions and you can make your stuff 10 times more powerful by controlling every aspect of it. That's, again, that's Roy Keane. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you absolutely. I'm not just going to sit back here. It's my life. I'm not just going to sit back here and take orders from someone else. I know I'm better than this than they are, unless they prove to me they're better than I am, in which case I'll let them do it. That's it. He, so that kind of intensity is, as I said, what I really admire about Roy Keane and Brian, and, Brian and Alex Ferguson and all those guys. And do you think um, that, that level of effort is still within the industry in, in creative departments? 
No. No. I mean, even when I was doing it, I was one of maybe 5% of people. All the top people were like, David Abbott was like, absolutely like that. The, all the people that learned from Bill Birnbach were like, were like that because that's how Bill Birnbach was. Mm. And and every, everything now, now you what have you learned now? You've learned that, well, what seems to win the award, when a little kid coming into the industry now, what seems to win awards is ads you don't understand. So I'd better be doing ads you don't understand. Mm. That's as much thinking as goes into it now. Yeah, I, I think as well, though, there's people seem to be far more afraid of being wrong as well. I think if you're going to have that attitude, you've got to be willing to put your neck out and be like, oh, this is all the reason. You said I'll listen to someone until they prove to me that I should listen to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, yeah. But to do that, that means you have to be willing to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe and be like, okay, fair enough. You're right. I agree with you. We'll move on. But I think I, I find that I remember used to sitting in meetings with media, PR, creative, all around the client and no yeah. one wanting to say anything that could get in any way misconstrued oh, as upsetting it's so yeah. but then 100% but then use your loaf don't talk to the media when the client's there yeah go yeah. talk to them when the client's not there you know this is this is what I mean about street smarts rather than just university smarts mm -hmm. just use your loaf the you don't want the client in the room when you're having these discussions because as soon as the client's there you've got no power yeah all anybody's worried about is keeping the client happy yeah, yeah. So, and what you do is you 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 get together and you work it out. Now, if I'm going to argue with you about your job, I'd better know a lot about your job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? yeah. So if I'm going to argue with a media guy about where the media goes, I'd better know a lot about media. You look at David Abbott; he was great at this. And uh, if I'm going to argue about research or planning or strategy, I'd better know a lot about that. Mm. With account handling. When we would ever, ever have a new account man and he would have to go and sell my work, the first time he'd do it, I'd go with him to the client. If he sold it better than I did, I would never go again. If he sold it worse than I did, I'd make sure ever after I'd sell it. Mm. But that's kind of, I think that's kind of how it would be on a football field, isn't it? If I pass you the ball and you do something better with it than I could, I'm always going to pass it to you. Mm. If you can't, I'm never going to pass it to you. It's, these things are not you don't need a degree in marketing for this this is all just common sense yeah, yeah. you know I, I find what's missing in advertising nowadays absolutely is common sense well you, my, my, you know in east london the, the phrase they'd always use was use your loaf use your loaf yeah and 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 you know don't we, don't, don't be just use your loaf don't be stupid and we're thinking everything and just use your loaf and nowadays, those things that you, 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 all those things you think are, are creative, they weren't creative. They were just street, street smarts. Mm. Because most of the kids you've got into business nowadays come from university. And what you learn, you learn at university is to overthink everything. And so if you know about um, the law of diminishing marginal returns, most of the brains is at the front end of anything. And as you over, over, overthink it, you get less and less return for more and more and more effort. So you ought to really put your effort in at the front end. Diminishing marginal returns. And at university, though, you don't get your marks for the front end because everybody can see that. You only get your marks for looking for the bit that nobody else can see. So they come out of university thinking their job is to look for the bit that nobody else can see. Mm. 
oh no that's not very smart <laughs> you, so you've got to retrain these kids when they come out of university and what i always found was the strategists were usually nine out of ten were useless the ones that were actually good and there were some really good ones were the ex ex create ex ex account men because the ex the account men had actually uh, they used their loaf when talking to a client and they actually also realized we're in a business we're not in an academic exercise here we're actually in a business mm. and they brought that into it which the other guys didn't most of the ones who were in strategy were only there because they had very poor people qualities and couldn't be account men so uh, and yet they wanted to be in advertising because it looked a lot of fun so and that, they, they couldn't they couldn't be creatives because they'd never done an ad and they'd never been to art school they couldn't uh they they they, they couldn't draw an ad they weren't funny enough to write an ad and they didn't put a portfolio together. Couldn't be an account man because they didn't have the personality to actually work out or, or the street smarts to work out. People weren't in media because they didn't have the nous, uh to to do that. I found media guys, when you've got media guys together, they were a lot more like creative guys. Media guys, uh, you could have a chat with them and, and, and <clears throat> the economist campaign, you know, the one on posters, Mm -hmm. That came about because of a, 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 a chat after work one night between David Abbott and Ken New. Ken New was the media director, and they were doing a TV campaign at the time. And it wasn't it, you know, winning awards, but nobody saw it. Nobody talked about it in the street. I mean, you know, the trade press liked it, but and, and people in advertising liked it. But then. David Abbott was sitting there one night with Ken Yu and they were having a drink. And he said, it's a shame we can't do posters because posters are exactly the right size for uh, our, our masthead. And it, we could then do them huge red posters with just the white line dropped out in the same typeface as the masthead. And we'd have them everywhere, wouldn't we? Much cheaper than TV anyway. We'd have them everywhere. And, and we'd really get into the language. Shame we can't do them. Uh, and Ken knew the media director said, David, I can do anything. I can make the numbers work. Don't worry. If you think that's going to work, I can, I can do that. And so between them, that campaign, one of the best campaigns of the last 20, 30 years, because you've got media and creative together. And one of the worst things that happened to the business was taking media out of agencies. Mm, that's the thing. Yeah. Getting together and having those, the chats, but not just, uh, we're going to sit down and talk about this, but it's, it's when you, the chat naturally drifts into it feels like there's something else here and kind of the two the two minds come at it uh, in a we kind of open palms uh for want of a better expression where there's there's kind of creative freedom there well it, I think it, we, it, it was you think way back over here when creativity started in london in, in anyway before i was in the business back in the 60s the um i've heard david putnam talking about it he was an account man at cdp and their creative director, their um, media director said, look, we, every week on this, on your account, you run quarter, quarter pages. Why don't we, instead of that, run one ad once a month and make it a whole page? And David said, nobody's doing that. You never be done. What, what? Anyway, they did it. And the account was revolutionized because everybody saw that whole page, whereas nobody ever noticed the quarter pages. You get yeah. all those little X's on a chart every week, but nobody ever sees them. Mm. Whereas the whole page suddenly knocks your eye out. 
just because nobody else is doing it. And that, that's the whole point was nobody else is, rather than flicking a little bit of water in someone's face bit after bit, take the whole bucket and chuck it in their face. <laughs> yeah? That's a great analogy. Uh, if, we, if we revert back to our media day, Shane, we should use that. Uh, yeah, we should use that in, in, a, in a client <laughs> presentation. Um Brilliant. Uh, Dave, we're, we're flying through the podcast here, so we better move to your, your uh, final <coughs> ad. So what's the final ad you brought to the podcast today? All right. Well, again, if you if you show it, because I'll, I'll, the, the only thing I like in this ad is the strap line. I love the strap line. The rest of it is, for me, a bit dozy. But just show the ad and you'll see it doesn't look anything until you get to the strap line. Okay, Brilliant. Let's go for it. <laughs> Can I help you? No, but I can help you. You spend all kinds of money to blast music louder than you can think, but you can't pony up for a quality oil filter? Your engine will thank me. Then you get back to your robot music. They're not robots, they're Swedish. Fram, filter out the nonsense. It's the orange one, numb nuts. Now, the, the actual ad itself, I, I think the stuff about Frampa is silly. Hmm. You know, it's a dozy way to bring. You're not. No one's going to repeat that. That's not going to catch on, Frampa. The casting is good. Using the guy, fair enough, from Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like the principle of because it's cars. Uh, you you would you would take a lot of advice from older guys about cars in California and America and places like that. They do. Older guys have already got build, been building hot rods when they were younger. They know a lot about cars. They give you good advice. All that sound. But it doesn't do anything until you get to, and Frampa won't make anyone remember the name, but what I like is they don't care whether you remember the name. All the other packages look the same, except we've got an orange pack. Yeah. All you've got to remember is it's the orange one, numb nuts. And you know that line's going to catch on with all those guys who've got cars. It's the orange one, numb nuts. And whatever else you remember, when you're where the rubber meets the road is at point of sale. When you're about to pick the thing out and you're looking along the shelves, which oil filter shall I get? Oh yes. Yeah, the orange one. Numb nuts. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. The rest of the ad, I think you take the Frampa stuff out and do the, the silly bit, but uh, I just love to have written that line. It's the orange one. Numb nuts. And then you put that on posters and then you have that at point of sale. And if you know, you've got a good campaign because it will go through everywhere, all media. If it only works in one media, it's a technique, not an idea. Mm. But any of those other lines, the um, money coming out of Wazoo or the orange one, numb nuts, all of those would work on posters. They'd work on radio. They'd work on uh, certainly on point of sale. Would the orange one, numb nuts, would be great at point of sale. In fact, and if they won't let you do it on point of sale, the matter put it on your pack, and then it is a point of sale. You control. You control yeah. that. Mm. You, yeah. you you control all these all these areas, uh, whether or not they let you put on point of sale is neither here nor there because they can't stop you doing it on your pack. And then you've 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 all that money you've spent on TV and the, the lines your mates are using and everything. And you probably if you'd put that on bumper stickers, probably they wouldn't even mind that sticking that on their cars. It's the orange one, numb nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can such a it's such a fun line to get into the language with your core audience of young men who are working on their cars and it justifies a premium because it costs, it costs a little bit more 
uh, Fram filters. So what the guy is telling you, the older guy is, is saying, if you listen to the line, he's saying you spend all kinds of money on music uh, to play louder than you can think, but you won't pony up for a decent oil filter. Mm. That's the actual sell bit, which is good. And then, which one was that? When I get to the store, I can't remember what show, what's the, what oil filter should I go? All you got to remember is it's the orange one, numb nuts. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I know it's great. It, it is like I think capitalizing on Mike from Breaking Bad, because that's even how his character spoke in the show. His character was yeah. almost like a guide in the show when, yeah. once they broke through into the bigger cartels and to literally at the height of their fame about six years ago, seven years ago, to be able to capitalize on that character for all the reasons you said as well yeah. with the older man that makes sense and almost his character was constantly in a car in the show as well i think the yeah. short that it was based on was around his car um him in a car and someone hit it when he was at a restaurant but him delivering that line is just perfect he's got the perfect no, tone the perfect and it just it, it, it re you remember it because of how it's like you said with the voice in the hump day you know picking yeah. that right uh, voice actor um it's just completely acceptable and it allows you to attach to one of the biggest shows that was probably on TV at the time, you know? It's yeah. great. It's fabulous. It's a great line. Yeah, they, they used to say, when I was trained in New York, there was the best writer there was a guy called Ed McCabe. And they always used to say, his headlines always looked like they should have Hey Schmuck on the front of them. <laughs> and if you look at that like, uh, Hey Schmuck, he's got money coming out of the wazoo. Or Hey Schmuck, it's the orange one, numb nuts. Yeah. It's like, I love the power of, uh, of those kind of lines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're arresting, aren't they? Well, no one else is doing and you could no one else is doing it. The other thing to remember is you don't have to do everything for everybody. It's great when nobody's doing it because it ninety percent of them are doing it the other way. You got ten percent to yourself. The the three ads there's a team coming coming through them and even even uh, the backup ad you had with BC lines and the and the vending machine that there's there's humor there's a thread of humor through 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 all of them and is that is that something that that kind of you try to bring through to most of your ads or was is it kind of your default mode yourself? Well, just punters, what the punters want. Let's don't start with what we want to do. Start with what our audience wants. Mm -hmm. Now, you know the if I was advertising Rolex watches, I wouldn't do that. If I was advertising. Um, uh, Cartier watches, I wouldn't do that. If I was advertising Veblen goods, you know, Veblen goods like Rolls Royces and Bentleys and Mercedes, I wouldn't mm. do that. Those are those are those are all where it's very important that people think the brand says a lot about you, and it's you know you 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 would you you want to be seen as Veblen goods. You can afford things that by the very fact that you can afford it gives you class. Well, of course, you wouldn't do. You wouldn't say it's the orange one, numb nuts about Mercedes. <laughs> you know? I assume it's like, you know, we, you know, you, you, you wouldn't put a turd on a plate if you were advertising Sarah Lee cakes. I assume yeah. we'll do what's appropriate here. And, and most of what we're talking about here is FMCGs. Mm -hmm. And that's mass market, uh, you don't consider a, pro, a, a an FMCG. You buy it today. If you don't like it, you buy something different tomorrow. It's not a it's not a long term purchase. It's not a car costing fifty grand. You don't have to think of just what you have to do is you have to be current and you have to be into the language and your your market will mainly be middle class and down, not middle class and up. So uh, you really have to consider who you're talking to and, and, and what. If I did a a kind of a Rolex kind of ad for oil filters, I don't think I'd sell a lot. 
it's not a Veblen good. You, you first off, you look at what you're selling, like so for uh, what's the name? The um, Geico is a distress purchase. Mm. So you do it differently, and you when you when you got to establish the name when you're launching, you do that kind of ad with the little Geico character, and when the market changes, and now you've got to talk about people about why they should actually use a um, aggregator an insurance aggregator you do a different kind of ad for that more much more logic involved your endpoint and you do the humor because that gets you into their lives and they're 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 watching tv probably because they uh they want to laugh and they want something amusing or entertaining and they've probably got other people with them and you know i haven't seen anybody turn on tv because they don't want to laugh they want to have a miserable time so <laughs> just just look at what your market wants you know the uh uh david david ogilvy said people in advertising misunderstand it all how people in advertising think it works is you've got two women on the front of a bus sitting at the top deck on the top on, on a bus and one looks in the other one's shopping basket and says oh you've brought uh Persil detergent i thought you liked surf and the other one says, yeah, I did like surf, but they changed from Futura to Bodoni, and I don't find that satisfies my brand needs. <laughs> you know, that's how people in advertising think. Yeah, and then the, yeah. the two women go back to not talking straight after well, that, and they sit there and look dead straight ahead. <laughs> yeah. You know, all you got to do when you go to the supermarket is watch yourself. Hmm. You, know, you don't have to get uh, paid or you know a room full of women to tell you what's happened just watch yourself watch your wife watch your just have a conversation with ordinary people who aren't in the business the these guys when they were selling there was this thing called jacob's mallows mm -hmm. uh, and and it was like a, a biscuit with then some mallow on it and then uh some coconut on top of that and then a little cherry on the top of the mallow and i was talking to the guys years back now who who, who did that and they said what they did, just what you said. They went to the supermarket and they looked at the people that were shopping. It wasn't selling. And why they went to the supermarket and they realised that the, the Jacob's Mallows, they had them put in the biscuit aisle next to the biscuits. So when you looked at them, you'd get 14 custard creams for the same price as five Jacob's Mallows. Mm. So they said, well, let's move them along to the cake aisle where you get two cakes for the same price as five jacobs mallows and sales took off wow they do with any advertising just to do with point of sale when people get look at yourself when you get there and you look at you if, if you put me you know now you can do a whole heuristics behavior economics thing on that but long and the short of it is is i think they call it framing uh it's not very good to frame it against biscuits it makes more sense to frame it against cakes well, yeah, you don't need a marketing degree to work that out. Yeah. Just go to much people in the supermarket. Yeah. As I said, using your loaf, using your cup on. Yeah. It's, it's, who wouldn't do that? So use your loaf, a little bit of creativity here. Let's move it from there to there. And, and yeah, there's a big surprise. Sales improved. <laughs> this feels like, uh, it feels like we shouldn't be just releasing this as a podcast. We should probably set up some sort of masterclass uh, <laughs> website that people have to buy this from. Uh, it's it's been uh first of all amazing three ads yeah, so thank ads, you very yeah. much for, for for bringing those and uh it's it's genuinely been a it's been a, a whirlwind of 
of education and insight and and a bit of crack along the way so thank you so much for yeah, good boys for, for your contribution um can uh, if can you uh, let people know if they want to get in touch with you how to do that and also kind of uh, if they want to read some of your work and, and purchase some of your books where they can do so as well yes yeah, so there's um uh if you well if you want to look at the work there's a you, you would probably look at my channel on youtube there's about 250 ads there uh about 50 are crap 50 are not bad 100 are pretty good and 50 are great so but mm -hmm. you, you'll work it out for yourself whether or not you think and it's not just my ads it's ads i've done with other people mm -hmm. and ads i've done as a creative director or a copywriter or they're, they're but they're all there anyway i just store them there or there's uh, my website which is um got some of it, which i think are probably the best couple of dozen of the ads i've done plus my books, plus where you get my blog every Monday. Um, and that's davetrot.co.uk. Perfect. Brilliant. Well, I'd, I'd highly recommend everyone uh, to, to uh, if you haven't done so already, uh, purchase some of, of, of Dave's books. I, I've devoured Crossover Creativity and The Power of Ignorance. So I'm going to, I'm working my way back through the back catalogue. So <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to that over, over the rest uh, of the year. And I think we've ruined nearly everyone's afternoons with going through your YouTube channels. So there's zero productivity, but it's all, it's training. It's, it's training. All good. Yeah. It's, 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 prof ingesting. it's professional development. Good work. The thing to do is exactly. when, when you look at all my stuff, don't take my word for it. Make your own mind up at all. You might think it, the value is in working out. Is that good or bad? Mm. Not just sitting there and letting me tell you the value is in always in It's like going to the gym, you know, making your own head do the work. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for, for, for everything, Dave, and, and coming on to the podcast. And for anyone who's just listened to us and actually wants to see the ads, uh, go to workwithfo.e forward slash podcast where you can uh, see all the ads in their glory. Um, but until next week, thank you very much and goodbye. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. I Love That Ad is proudly sponsored by IRS Plus, the one-stop shop for expert local radio planning and media agnostic brand solutions. If you have a media brief, you need to speak to IRS Plus. Go to irsplus.ie or mail hello at irsplus.ie for more.